Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. I am Angie Miller, your host, and my guest today is Mel Tempest. And I am so excited to have Mel on here. One could almost say that I'm somewhat nervous to interview her. That's how much I really respect Mel and what she does. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Mel is a CEO and founder of Ignite fitness business events. She's also the host of the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast, and she herself is a club owner in Australia to a club called Genesis. Mel has been in the fitness space for so many years, and she is such, she's an entrepreneur, she's an educator, and she is a true leader. So I'm going to bring Mel in and have her introduce herself. Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited for you to be here. So Mel, why don't you, I'm just curious, you've been in the fitness space for just a few minutes, right? So um, maybe just introduce yourself, give us a little bit more lay of the land of exactly what you do. And then I kind of want to figure out how did you get into this space? So at the moment, I'm a, a club owner here in Australia, and we just celebrated our 20th birthday last year, so very exciting for us, considering I only wanted to be in the industry for a few years. Uh, and outside of that, I do run fitness business events, so I've ran women's roundtable events, and of course, I've ran men-women roundtable events. And about six years ago, I started my own podcast. I was sort of pushed along by a mentor of mine, Thomas Plummer. He said, Mel, you've got to get out there and create your own platform. So I haven't looked back. Um, absolute lover of doing interviews like yourself and running fitness business events that are more problem solving as opposed to exposing new products. Yeah, I like the idea of problem solving because I agree with you. So many of the events are focused on um, are focused on products and selling products and putting products in the gym. But I like the idea of just kind of uh, what you do and just problem solve, find solutions so that it's not about what uh, it's about getting people to the gym and keeping them there. And that's actually one of the things that I want to ask you, what, what's missing? Why are we having such a hard time getting people into the gym? And then when we get them there, we lose them pretty quickly. I think the, the reality is we still don't like to mention the word COVID is still playing a really big role in the success of club owners and their businesses. And I think that for many club owners, they're still sort of trying to chase the mighty dollar to try and get back what they lost throughout COVID. So what's happening is we're getting a lot of foot traffic into gyms and we're excited by all of these new people coming in here, but we're forgetting that we've got an old tribe and an old community who have been very loyal to us um, throughout that period. And unfortunately, we are struggling to retain a lot of those because we are chasing chasing the new dollar. There's so much um, new product out there now. I mean, COVID allowed the ability for a global supermarket to happen where people can just get on to the internet and be chasing new apps, new diet programs, new wellness programs. And so we have lost a lot of our old community to digital technology. So I think we're sort of on this merry-go-round. We keep going around and going around. And I think probably the most important message from me to club owners is the most important people in your club are the ones that are currently there. Service them, 
give them new products, give them new programming, find out what their needs are and deliver that. And don't be afraid to put your prices up. <laughs> you know, I like that a lot, actually, because if you're servicing the people that are there, those are the people that are going to go home and tell their friends and their neighbors and everyone else. At the end of the day, if you're delivering a good product, people are going to talk about your product and word of mouth matters. So I've never heard it called that. You called it a global supermarket it's a great way of putting it because there's so much information out there. And to your point, they can get on YouTube. They can go anywhere and COVID kind of opened that up. So what can we do except do our best with the people who are showing up for us? Because yeah. those are the people that matter. It's true. It's like um, someone said to me, you know, you know, you've got so many friends and so many uh, people in your network. I said, hold on for a moment. The, the people who are the most important to me are the people under my roof at home, and that's my family. And that's the way that you need to look at your business. The most important people in your business are the people under your roof, your team and your members. And by looking after them, they stay there. And like you said, they do. They go off and tell their friends and their family. They refer people, and those people come through the doors. And, yeah, a global supermarket, that's, that's what occur has occurred from COVID. And we need to acknowledge that the aftermath of COVID is still there. It's within our community and it's there within our team. When we start to ignore what's happened in the past, it's very hard for us to recover from it. Yeah. And you know, yeah. also when you mentioned like take care of people under your roof, if you think about it, like that can be, you can look at that from a lot of different lenses because if you're taking care of people under your roof, you have a happy family. If you have a happy family, you're going to function better at work. Because we can't separate the two. You can't separate family from work. At the end of the day, you bring both to one another, whether you intentionally do so or not. So if you are nurturing your closest family unit the way that you're nurturing your closest family unit at the gym, you have a loyal following of people and you have people who are standing by you and you are in a better place emotionally. So I like that. Um, what are you hearing from these? You said that your your uh, fitness business events is focused on kind of problem solving. Like I would imagine it being kind of round table style where club owners are getting together and they're, they're tossing out. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. Um, what are some of the big things that you're hearing about what people are facing? So that your audience understands how the events work. We run with six round tables and each round table has 10 people on it. And each roundtable has its own host. And that host could be uh, on improving sales in your club, uh, improving retention in your club, what's happening with uh, a certain digital technology platform. Then we might have a roundtable, which we did just on the last one, which is on conflict resolution. So each roundtable has its own subject and each roundtable runs for around about 25 minutes. Then the bell rings and then the community move on to the next roundtable. So they're not stuck on the same round table for the entire day. So probably from the last event that we just ran, we found that programming was a, an enormous discussion for club owners. They're looking for fresh content in their programming. They feel that they've had the same programming, you know, for nearly a decade now. Uh, human resources, finding great team members. So we're finding now because of COVID, again, people have gone for more lifestyle balance in their lives. So instead of, you know, being dedicated to their job six days a week, they're now preferring to work four days a week. 
That therefore leaves a gap uh, in the gym. There's less reception staff. There's left gym programs. Uh, there's less uh, group fitness instructors. So human resources, finding staff is a big discussion. And also a little bit on the conflict resolution. So how we approach our team members is probably a little bit different as opposed to how it was five years ago. Uh, we need to show more empathy towards them, sit down and talk to them more, listen to them more, because as I said, again, COVID, COVID has impacted their lives. So there's a lot of discussion about, about human beings. And again, even when I talk about programming, that affects our, the humans that come into our club also. You know, that's such a good... Those are just really profound points because conflict resolution, I went on, I want in on that round table next time, by the way, um, conflict resolution is huge because how we interact with one another, go back to who's under your roof, how we interact with one another has everything to do with our emotional well-being, And again, that translates into how we interact with people who come into our gym and being able to resolve conflict to me is the difference between who's going to stick around and stay in your team and who's not. Because if your team can't solve problems and your team can't learn to get along, your team's not going to make it. So I do think that's a big part of it because conflict is part of life. People want to avoid conflict, but it's such a part of life and it's such a part of running a business. There's going to be conflict. That's part of human nature, right? Uh, absolutely. And I think the other thing we need to remember as business owners, that we need to give our team permission to make mistakes, to make decisions that could be the opposite to what perhaps you as a business owner would have made. I always say to my team, make a decision. If you make the wrong decision, A, you won't do it again. B, I can fix it and I can walk you through perhaps a better way of choosing a better decision. So give you give your team permission to make mistakes, you know, make executive decisions. Okay, Mel's not here. I can't get a hold of her. What should I do? Okay, I'll do this. If it's not the way that I would have played it out, walk them through why I would have done it the other way, because then you're giving them the, re the resources and tools to be a better decision maker down the path. And that's something that they can take with them when they leave you. Because the other thing we need to think about is that we don't want our team to stay with us forever. We, what we should be doing is saying, use my club as a foundation to your success. Learn what you can, stay here for X amount of years, and then go out and create your own platform. Wow, because I don't think a lot of gym owners have the confidence to do that. I don't think a lot of business owners have the confidence to do that. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you can be a platform that helps somebody achieve their goals, if you can be a starting point for them to get where they want to go, if you can be their inspiration or what I always call it, the wind beneath their wings, right? So if, if you can get them to that next step and that next step, they're going to leave your club on a good note and they are going to be another advocate for your club because they had a good experience with you and you help them to get to the next step. I agree. I don't think we need to hold people hostage to where they are or to be fearful that they might leave. It should probably be somewhat of a compliment, right? You, you taught oh, them all the time. Uh, absolutely. Look, I've had people that have been with me for five or six years and they've gone off to another area and they've set up their own studio. They've picked up the phone and said, look, what do you think I should do here? What do you think I should do there? You give them a little bit of advice. Um, I had an employee or a team member with me for 13 years 
And at about the seventh or eighth year, I said, I love you, Julie. You're part of our family, but you can't stay here forever. You have to go out and do something else. You know, you want to buy a home. You want to get married. You had a partner. You want to have a family. And without telling a lie, it probably took us three years of mother nagging to say, please go out and find something else. You're great at what you do, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, we actually introduced him to another career that I had a family member that was involved in. Uh, he went through the process. Uh, he's been gone from our club now for about three, three and a half years. And he's now got a career as a firefighter. And let's face it, unless you're a club owner, the fitness industry can be a little bit unstable. So again, it's up to us as business leaders to encourage our team to go out there, the world's bigger than the community, go out there and discover, uh, you know, other clubs, other careers, go go travel. Uh, unless you're going to buy the club off me, I don't want you to stay there forever. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of that movie Failure to Launch, right? Where it's it's so true. You, you kind of have to help somebody get their wings and say, it's okay, I'm not going to take this personal. Yeah. Almost like you're giving him permission to go out and find his way in the real world that he doesn't have to hang out with you for the rest of his life. That's a great story. So, you know, when you talk like this, Mel, I think, okay, you've got some life experiences that have transformed you into the person that you are. You've had some life experiences that have made you a person who is a strong business influence, but you also have obviously an incredible amount of emotional intelligence and people skills. And you know, I know some of your history and some of the way that you kind of came into the fitness space, but what, what did, what did really, what would you call that pivotal moment that you said, I want to be in the fitness space? Truthfully, what happened was, um, I joined a gym for the first time at around 34, 35 after coming from another career. And I looked after a sick relative and my husband come home from work one day and said, it's probably time for you to get back into the workplace, you know, get that social thing happening again and doing what you love. And I was like, don't want to return to that career. I think I'm going to go off and be a group fitness instructor. And it's quite um, funny because I went to a gym for the first time in my life when I was probably about 20 and I went with a girlfriend and the carpet was bright, bright green. And anyway, I said to her, I wonder what you have to do to be an aerobics instructor. And she said, why would you even want to be an aerobics instructor? And so didn't even go back into a gym ever again until, as I said, my mid-30s and went off and got trained as a group fitness instructor. The course back in those days was two days a week for around six months, got my first ever class teaching circuit classes on hydraulic equipment when it was a circle and they, they had jumping boards. And um, to cut it down really, really short, I then got classes at other centres and I wanted to become a body jam instructor and I was at a club and the group fitness manager said, you'll never teach um, body jam whilst uh, I'm the, the GFM. And it was at that precise moment that I said, I'm in an industry that is supposed to inspire people, inspire people to be the best they can be. And I aspired one day to be a GFM. And here I was having that person tell me that I couldn't teach a particular class. So I went home and I said to my husband, um, I want to open the gym. I had no idea what I was doing because I hadn't been in the industry long enough to know a whole lot of stuff. 
And he said, how much is it going to cost? And I gave him this ridiculous amount. And word got out, Angie, that I wanted to open up uh, a gym. And so then I was sort of black banned from every gym in my community and didn't actually teach the 18 months until we were able to open a gym which we opened in a church hall. So, yeah, and now 20 years later, um, we have an incredible business and we're proud to say that we're the owners of our freehold. Wow. You know, I feel like, so first, Mel, I want to reintroduce you. So this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm your host, Angie Miller. I'm talking to Mel Tempest. Mel comes to us all the way from Australia. And Mel is the CEO and founder of Ignite Fitness Business Events. She also hosts a podcast called the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast. And best of all, Mel owns her own club called Genesis. You know, when you were talking, um, my, my experience into group fitness was how I got into um, exercise in general. I, I always say that it was never sporty spice growing up. And uh, I never really knew anything about my body or how to use it. I never was involved in sports. And I started teaching school and I was in a city where I didn't know anybody. So I joined a gym, probably if I were to be honest, to meet boys. And then a group fitness instructor said, you should teach. And that's how I got into it. And from there, the body confidence led to confidence in everyday life. And so many things snowballed from there. And I really, I truly credit group fitness as the foundation of everything that really changed the narrative of my life. It gave me confidence. It gave me, I felt empowered. I was able to lead and inspire. I was able to discover my own experience in my own body and feel confident in that. And to be able to help men and women do that to me is the greatest gift ever personally. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the reality is this, for some people coming to the gym, whether it's for a, a, an equipment workout or whether it's for group fitness classes, but for some people coming to the gym is the best part of their day. They don't like their job. They don't want to go home to their family situation. So they come to a place where they feel they're not judged. They work out with a whole lot of people with the same agenda as them to get fit, to get healthy, to have a chit-chat with people, again, who are non-judgmental. So we need to understand that for some people, the gym is a safe haven. It's a place where they feel non-judged. It's a place where they feel they're not accountable to anybody. They just want to go and they just want to do their own thing. Yeah, so true. It's such a, it's such a, an escape from everyday life, but a positive escape. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned something in your story and you said, the girl said, you're never going to teach here. I produced fitness videos back in the day. And there's somebody who has a pretty good profile in the fitness space and um, who came to me that many years ago and said, why would you think you could do that? You don't have a name. Nobody knows you. What are you doing? And that, that doubt that uh, kind of maybe putting a barrier up for me and making me feel like I wasn't, you know, that this was not a good move for me made me want to do it. And so, but not everyone's wired like you and I, like for some people, they would fold if they had that obstacle and somebody was making them question themselves. And I do think that that is one of the concerns in our space is this maybe need to feel territorial or threatened. And so I love that in the beginning, you brought up, take care of the people under your roof, right? Like learn how to help people get along and resolve conflict. 
Because that whole competition-based thinking, in my opinion, that's what really needs to go in this industry. We've got to get rid of that. Oh, absolutely agree with that. It's ironic, you know, with what you said about somebody came to you and said, why do you think you you can do that or why can't you do that? Um, The the reality is the problem is not with you, the problem is with them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we... um, People look at us and we have a lot of positive idiosyncrasies that other people wish that they had. And the only way that they can counteract not having that positivity around them that you have got is to try and put you down. So I am a a very strong advocate. If someone comes to me and tells me that type of story, I don't have a problem in calling those types of people out. And I've been treated like that myself. And again, I don't have a problem in calling those types of people out. We're in the industry, again, I reiterate that it's supposed to inspire people, not just us as professionals, but our community to be the best that we can be. A lot of us have something to offer that others don't have to offer. So why not share it? Who are these people to go out there and to ridicule or get onto a public platform and try and put people down and create stories that aren't true? Again, the problem is with them. If you're hearing that about other people, then you need to go do your own homework. I always say to people, take the time to get to know me for who I am. You'll probably find that I'll take the shirt off my back to help you. Don't believe what others say. Yeah, it's so true because, you know, I still run across this person all the time and I've never said a word after all these years. But the funny thing is my videos did quite well. And I always kind of look at her like, ha ha ha, you know, but it is really unfortunate because I remember hanging up from that phone call and calling another friend of mine who also has a high profile in the industry. And he said, who voted her the fitness police anyway? And he said, you have to get out there and do what, what your soul is saying you need to do, what your heart commands, what your, what your mind tells you you need to do. But I do think that one of the concerns in the fitness space is if we're competing with one another and we're giving that air that we're, we're competition based or we're threatened, I assure you, and I'm sure you would agree as a, as a club owner, maybe you wouldn't, that we're passing that um, energy along to the people who come to our club. So if trainers are competing or, you know, members over here, two trainers have some unfriendly dialogue, that's going to trickle down into the membership. And then that's going to be competitive. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's the way you behave in the club, the way you walk in the club. Uh, Let's face it, clubs have Chinese whispers. So, you know, we, we have to try and put an end to that behavior. But Angie, it's not just about in clubs. Let's talk on a bigger scale. Let's talk about the fitness business industry as itself, as a network and as a community. We can be our own worst enemy. We are supposed to support each other because we all have the same agenda, yet we do it very badly. And I would have thought that after going through COVID, And seeing what everybody was doing freely for each other across social media platforms, that the behavior and the thought process would have changed. And it has to a degree, but it hasn't moved fast enough. I mean, we're in an industry that is still dominated by men. Uh, I have a lot of male friends, uh, but I also believe that there's a lot of fantastic women out there that need to be given an opportunity to stand on bigger platforms and, and to speak. And, you know, 
again, like you said, the behaviour in the club is also the behaviour that's in our industry. And until we all start to speak up more and truly support each other and know that we're not competition, it's going to be a very slow process for the industry to change. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that that transfers into whether you're a wellness coach, whether you're a physical therapist, whether you're a gym owner, whatever it is, um, fostering the growth of another person does not dim your light in any way. And if we can do that, we can then foster the growth of the people who want to come into the club and not be threatened by this idea that they're going to walk into a gym with a bunch of beefy bodies, which is not, we know is not the case, but people on the outside, I think, think they're going to enter into a beefy body place and they're going to be, you know, they're not going to know their way around and it doesn't have to be that way at all. So I think at the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves, what is the legacy that we want to leave? You know, that's a good one. And and Donald Miller talks about that a lot. What's your legacy? Like, what are you here for? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he also talks about how one of the things that really stood out to me when I first heard about, you know, the idea of leaving a legacy, which we've all heard about that in different terms and in different places, you talked about how quickly we are forgotten on this earth. Like if you have children, then your children, and then they have children. And then by the time their children have children, about mm, a couple of generations, three generations from now, unless you've really left a true legacy, you're going to be a picture that somebody Yes. 30 years from now says, who is this person? And, and that really stood out to me. And once I wiped my tears and thought, Oh, that's so sad. It really made me think, well, what do I want to do? How do I make the greatest impact? And how do I leave that impact long after I'm gone? And so I think that's, that's huge. What's your legacy going to be? I think for me, if somebody hadn't given me an opportunity, I wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation with you today. So for me, I want people to be able to say, hey, I remember when Mel gave me this opportunity to do da 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 I was on her podcast or she introduced me to all of these people in the industry and now I'm doing this because of that. So for me, it's creating opportunity for others. For my children, it's giving them the resources and tools to be fabulous parents, successful uh, adults, to give them all of those resources and tools that I wasn't given as a child. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a great legacy. Giving people tools and paving the way for people so that you make their road a little bit less treacherous. It's kind of like Victor Frankl in The Road Less Traveled, you know, turning, you know, giving your pain purpose, if you will, or finding meaning out of hardship. And I feel like your life, you've had some real obstacles and you definitely have found meaning. And the way that I think you found meaning is by helping other people, right? Yeah. Um, paving the road. The reality is, uh, Angie, I was set up for failure as a child. And that should have happened. So, and if my grandparents hadn't have taken me in, given given me an opportunity to grow up in a normal household, again, 
I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And then somebody else gave me an opportunity in the fitness industry, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So it's up to us to feel secure in who we are as individuals and open up the doors for others. Because the reality is, like you just said, we've got to create a pathway for the new fitness professionals coming through, the new women leaders, the new club owners, the personal trainers and so forth. Because somebody is going to have to fill our shoes. If we don't prepare them, what's going to happen to our industry? I I think that's well said. I have a question for you. You said your grandparents raised you. <clears throat> and I find that some people, when they're faced with adversity, it goes one of two ways, right? They either find meaning and they make good on helping other people or they get better and they go the other way. What is that defining difference? And I know that there's no, like, this is just where you stand, but what is that defining difference that when you were faced with all that adversity, you came out and you transformed it in a way to help people. But some people turn into people that wouldn't do that. I think for me, and I probably didn't realize it until I was about 15 or 16. So I went to live with my father's parents when I was around about eight. And that was because I'd gone back and forth from my mother to my grandparents, back and forth, back and forth, to the point where my grandparents said, you can't keep doing this. And they took um, custody of me. It probably wasn't until I was about 15 or 16 that I thought, wow, I was set up for failure. You know, my mother passed me over to my grandparents. My grandparents were a little bit older. They'd only raised boys. Uh, and so hot. So I didn't stay at school long enough. And all of these other things happened. And as terrible as it might sound to your audience, I felt that I had a point to prove to my mother, how dare you set me up for failure? I'm going to be the most successful person that I can be. And I'm not going to let that happen to anybody else. And even though I left school at 14 to sell hot chips and Tim Sims, at some point, it just all happened for me. So every time there was a hurdle thrown in front of me, and there's been plenty of hurdles, I've looked at the person who put that hurdle there and said, how dare you do that to me? You cannot control my future. You cannot control who I'm going to be and what I'm going to do. And just kept moving forward and moving forward. And there's many times I probably could have let the great big black hole of life, you know, swallow me up and just go, oh, this is too hard. I'm just going to live life, go to the supermarket, buy bread and milk, and that's the way it's going to be forever. But I also felt that I had, because I had children when I was younger, they were looking at me as a role model. And that's pretty much the story in the short, in the short, um, yeah, narrative there. It's, it's, um, just don't allow people to get in your way. So if someone says yeah. you can't do that, go, why? Why can't I do that? I would rather fail trying as opposed to be lying on the bed, looking up at the white lights at the end of my life going, oh, I wish I had gone on Angie's show. I wish I had applied to speak here. I wish I had done that business course. Uh, do it. There's nothing wrong with failure. Failure is a learning curve. It doesn't mean that you can't go again. So don't allow anybody to be an obstacle. Don't let yesterday's hurdles be the hurdles of tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And don't let them define you because, you know, yeah. that's 
kind of why I called this advocating for a new fitness narrative, because I think that advocating for a new narrative in general, I, I agree. You know, we can step back and be a victim and say, this happened to me, therefore I'm not, I'm not able to do these things. Or we can stand tall and say, to your point, why, why can't I do that? And, um, you know, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to have to try now because in a sense, that's a challenge. And so I hope that for anyone who's listening, because I, I think that we would be hard pressed to find somebody who's somewhere along the way hasn't been told by a doubter or a person who's threatened that they can't do something. Hopefully you use that as impetus to say, let me just show you, <laughs> let me show you that I can. Yeah, absolutely. So Mel, you know, you are a true change maker. And, uh, and I think that you really have been advocating for a new narrative for many, many years. And to your point, there's a lot of, it's a male dominated industry. still for the most part, and you're a female out there saying, let's, let's kind of shift the narrative here. Is there anything else you want to say that you would say to my audience, which is predominantly, uh, people who are interested in fitness or personal trainers or wellness coaches, um, people who just like to bridge the mind and the body. Is there anything else you want to share with anybody that you think is important in terms of positive change in fitness and wellness? I think what I'd like to share is, you know, don't be afraid to go out and get educated. Don't think that just because you do the basic course, that's where it ends for you. Go out and get more education. Hang around with people that are that are smarter than you. Hang around with people that you can learn from. Ask for opportunity. Don't think that, um, oh, I can't knock on their door and ask them, can I be part of their show or part of their programming because they're way up the food chain in the industry. No, knock on the door and ask for opportunity, get education, hang around with the right people, go to fitness business events. Um, don't be afraid to walk into a networking event and be the only person. You don't need a friend to you know, to hold your hand. Go there on your own uh, and, and get out there and post on, uh, on social media platforms. Ask questions. You know, I've been a personal trainer for X amount of years. I've done this and done this, but I feel like I've hit a plateau. How can I, um, you know, grow further as a personal trainer? This is what I aspire to be like. Group fitness instructors, you know, go out there and encourage your members to become group fitness instructors explore new programming uh, don't let other people make up your mind for you just go out there and experience life and experience this amazing industry that we're in because people are looking up uh, every day does you know at the end of the day somebody wakes up every single morning and aspires to be just like you so go out there and inspire people to be the best they can be that's so true. That is so true. There's always somebody that you don't even know who is your greatest admirer. And I like the way that you said, just ask. I'm a big asker. So many of the opportunities that I have, um, that I have been blessed to have in my life, it's because I'm the first one to raise my hand. I'm the first one to say, can I do this? Can I do this? I would love to do this. And, uh, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I raise my hand and they say yes. And then I go, oh, what was I thinking? But that's okay because I love the challenge. Yeah. So. And, and for the ladies out there, please don't let age be a factor for you, okay? I got into the industry in my mid-30s, opened up my club. I think I was 38, 39, uh, and I've, I've had my club now 20 years. Don't let age be a factor. If you're in your 40s, your 50s, and your 60s, and you still have a dream, go out there and have a go. Mm, I'm really glad you mentioned that one because what is it? Somebody I just heard a... a uh, 
a talk show host say that ageism is the last acceptable stereotype. And I thought, man, that is so true because we just don't want to go there. We want to be an ageist society, but we don't want to admit that we are. And I don't think that age holds us back in any way, shape or form. So Mel Tempest, thank you so much for coming on Strong Mind, Strong Body. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I can't wait to see you at the next event. And thanks to all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. And Mel, before we do sign off, if anybody has a question for you or they want to get a hold of you, how would they reach you? So all you need to do is email me at mt, so mt at meltempest.net. Okay, fantastic. Well, Mel, thank you again. Thanks to all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.